Welcome to the fourth Sunday in our uh, Faith Runs Deep series. My name is uh, Greg Foliente. If um, you've joined the church uh, post-pandemic or probably in the last six months, you may not know me, but I will share a little bit more about myself. Um, we, were, um, we were in the Philippines in the first half of this year, so I've just returned last month, and I'm happy to be here. The Faith, Run Deep's, um, Faith Runs Deep series uh, uh, looks at uh, Australia in the, in the tradition and history of um, Christianity in this country and past to present and a bit of a peek into the future. Um, you have access to the video series, but also most of the individuals but also groups are studying it, so I thought I will complement uh, that with a different perspective from someone who is part of that migrant community who settled in Australia um, and also move from present to future and from Australia to the world. And they're all connected, obviously. Uh, so a bit about myself, I was born in the Philippines. So I was in the Philippines uh, through the Returning Scientist Program of the Philippines uh, government to help the research and uh, uh, higher education capacity development innovation uh, program in the Philippines. Um, my wife's from Japan. and. Um, my daughter was born in the United States, so she's American, and my sons are Australians. Um, so I moved here in 1995 uh, from the United States. Um, uh, so these are the places I've worked. I've worked in the Philippines, obviously, and here in Australia for a long, long time, because I've been here since 1995. I was in the US for eight years, and we were in Germany for about a year. Uh, but these are the universities that I've worked with or visited over the years. So I'm like collecting the rings of the Olympic rings. Um, I'm missing Africa, and so my next sabbatical will probably be in, uh, in uh, Africa. So we're very familiar about God's love for the world, that he gave his one and only son. So there are two aspects to this, um, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The general offering of the son, the one and only begotten son, the general offering, but the key point that we usually forget is the specific um, uh, acceptance that whoever believes in him, the particular to individual. And uh, when he did give himself and, 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 and died on the cross, before he ascended back to um, his father in heaven, um, he gave this command in Matthew 28 to his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that he has taught them, he had taught them, including this command. This is not a suggestion. This is a command and the mission of his disciples and the first century church that formed after he left. So we're going to talk today about God, the church, and the world. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, we recognize that when we come before your presence, we stand on holy ground. We are in the presence of a holy God who is omniscient and loving, that made us able to stand before you because you gave your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, that we can have his holiness to be accepted in your presence. We have come this morning to hear you speak. 
your words, Lord, not mine. And therefore, we ask that you would open not only our hearts and our minds, but most of all, our spirit to receive your spirit of wisdom and counsel, of conviction and comfort. For we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. God's mission is to bring peoples across the world to be with him in eternity. We have the responsibility and privilege today to share, not contribute. Because whether we obey that command or not, it will happen. So to share in its fulfillment is a privilege. I will talk about this in three parts, uh, the outcome, the question, am I included, and how, am I, how can I be involved, or how I am involved. We are a, a sports-crazy nation, and uh, I did watch um, the game last night. Uh, I follow uh, uh, soccer, football uh, around the world. Um, but in other sports, it's always the problem that, you know, it's just like nerve-wracking if you watch last night. It's always like this. You don't know. It's always 50-50. And someone will lose and someone will win. And so you have all these emotions. And it could have been the joy of the top picture or the, in the past when they lost and, and everything is just, yeah. And you can see it in the fans. It's not just the players, but everything else. You see people cry and, and get devastated for months and these kinds of things. Because we don't know. And that's the aspect of life. We don't know what is next week or next month. And so we'd like when we read a novel, for example, especially if a thriller, you probably like to jump to the last chapter, right? Uh, so so we, that's what we do today. We jump to the last chapter and, um, and look. And we read this um, wonderful vision of heaven in Revelation 7-9 after a series of... Um, of uh, revelation between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, uh, there was a pause in, in John's writing about a series of visions. And one of them is this. He says, after this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. That's the outcome. It's written the final score has been decided. Whether you like it or not, whether you become part of it or not, it's done. Revelation is not, a diff- it's not an easy um, a book to study uh, because you need to know the whole of the Bible. <laughs> you need to know um, Daniel and other prophetic uh, passages and, and verses. We need to know the, the um, uh, teachings of Christ about the end times and then the teaching of Paul's about the end times. And then you bring them all together and you have all these symbolisms that are always difficult. And so you need to know the whole of the Bible uh, very well uh, to understand revelations. And, uh, but it is about the end times. And one of the things that the biblical scholars agree on a lot of the things, but the, the framing depends on whether the interpretational framework uh, for some of these um, words and symbolisms, um, how they view what's called millennial. 
And millennial is the thousand-year reign of Christ that's uh, written up in Revelation 20. And where it is in this uh, first coming and second coming, you can be a millennial, or you can be a post-millennial, or you can be a premillennial. But regardless of this, there are many things that we can take uh, from this passage on what it tells to us today and what it means to us and how it should give us hope and direction for what we need to prioritize and do uh, with our lives and our time. Uh, so this is another uh, series you can study uh, about uh, the framework. So let me uh, proceed with uh, the rest of Revelation 7-9. Uh, they were wearing white robes, these people who were standing before the Lamb, um, were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength. Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. It continues on. Then one of the elders asked me, These people in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? John answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Do you notice the irony? Uh, when you wash your robe with the blood of the lamb, what do you get? Yes. But this is white robes. Well, the rest of the Bible talk about white robes uh, or robes to clothe ourselves, for example, in Colossians. Um, but this is uh, particularly about um, the blood of the lamb. And in Hebrews 10, verse 10, uh, the writer says, We have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. The death of Christ and the shedding of the blood, and the rest part of the Hebrew said, there's no forgiveness of sins without shedding of the blood for God, because God is holy, a holy God. A little blip of, blip of that, of sin, cannot come before God. So it's got to be wholly cleansed by his own blood that is a holy blood. In this case, the robe is white because that's a cleansed, and that's why they're able to be in the presence of a holy God. So most of you knew that I became a Christian when I was in the Philippines, uh, working in a small town called Los Banos in 1985. I was already working at this time, um, I came from a so-called Christian uh, religion and, of course, uh, institutions where I studied. And this is one of the things that we need to clarify in this series. There's no, uh, really, the church is a collection of called-out ones, people who have responded to that love of Christ, who appropriated the blood of the Lamb, unto themselves and accepted it so that that lamb will wash their robe and give them a white robe individually. We, individually, 
is a local church. We are ecclesia, the called out ones. And these are the things that if it's okay for people outside of this uh, fellowship to miss that recognition between Christianity as a religion and as a name of institutions or even of churches. And I think that's always uh, very important to classify the difference between that and those who have the true personal relationship with Jesus Christ and separate the things that are done in the name of Christianity as opposed uh, to this uh, true faith in the one who saved us. And so that's the thing that I learned in this, uh, on the, in this period and um, rejected the institutions when I became a Christian and went on a study of the Bible by myself and was later on with other small groups of people. And one of the things that I found out was the true nature of Jesus Christ and what he meant to me as a person who died in my place, where I'm supposed, I was supposed to pay for my sins, he instead died in my place, my substitute. And so when I believed that he did die for me, then I was washed with the blood of the Lamb. And one of the things that, thought, that got into my mind right away is, how about my parents? How about my loved ones? How about my brothers? I had three brothers. There are four of us. How about my best friend? How about my neighbor and my co-workers? So I started sharing with everyone bit by bit. I started a Bible study at work. I started a Bible study at home and shared to my parents. And my parents were the first one to respond after months. And when I shared to my parents in their bedroom, they were crying because they felt the genuine work of God and message of God for them. And then my brothers, each one of them. Um, I'll come back to this in a little while, but um, I went to the United States um, years later to study there and attended this Urbana Student Missions Conference, which happens every three years. It's like the Olympics of Missions Conference. And I was there with 20,000 people in a stadium singing and worshiping, and on midnight of the New Year's Eve, we had a communion and a worship. And I felt like a little bit of that glimpse of that worship service in heaven. We have all these people from all around. It was an amazing experience, and I realized I'd like more of that. I like that forever. And it's available to you and I forever. But the first question is, am I really included in that group? Are you? In Matthew 7, very familiar, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. This may be a group of people who've attended church all their life, who may have been in Christian institutions, who may even have been ministers. 
And Jesus said, I never knew you. There are four types of people in the world in this context. Uh, those who have the true faith in the Christ who is revealed in the Bible. Yes or no? And those who are assured <laughs> that they are saved for eternity. And uh, there's a group, obviously, that don't care or are unaware, that no, no. They're not believers of Christ and they don't care about salvation. There are people who are not believers, but they think they have salvation. And this is the people of the Matthew 7. They think they're saved. Very unfortunate. And they find out at the very end that Jesus would tell them, I don't know you. And then there are those who are believers. And some of them are assured of his salvation, and some are not. And um, if you uh, are not sure, the key verse, of course, is 1 John 5, 11 and 12. In 1 John 5, 11 and 12, he writes, and this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son of life, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So when I share the gospel, I say, um, if this is eternal life, this is Jesus. You like eternal life? It's in Jesus. So if you have this, you have that, and not the other way around. And this is what we need to know. And sometimes you think, well, that's so basic, Greg, you don't need to tell me. But um, you remember uh, Jane in one of the videos, um, it may be the one on the second chance, um, talk about um, her father in their home church, who's an elder in the church. And she was a teenager by, by then. And uh, the father is also like what Rob is doing there. He's, uh, uh, he's uh, helping in the sound desk. And they had an evangelistic event, and there was an evangelist in their church. And in this night, the evangelist was talking. He, after that, as an evangelist, he called for people to come to accept the Lord as their personal Savior. And Jane was say, saying... To, his to her amazement, that her father, who was an elder in the church, stood up and went to the front. It's an amazing story. Well, Reverend Alan Nan, I'm sorry I missed um, the service uh, for him. We were still in the Philippines then. But um, we settled in this church when we came here in 1995 because I met him. For about two months, I was uh, moving around different churches in, um, in Melbourne to visit and look at opportunities for ministry among migrants and international students. And I met him here, and um, he recognized that we have a different background, the same purpose in terms of ministry, and uh, different skills and capabilities, and um, took me as, a, as someone who is a partner in ministry. And, uh, to work together. I have lots of stories about him. It requires a different uh, time and period that we can talk about. Magnificent uh, period of ministry together. In one of those early days, um, he once um, gave a message about the gospel and asked for people to close their eyes 
at the very end and say, those who'd like to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, please raise your hand or stand up while everyone is close their eyes uh, for privacy uh, reason. Then he said, do this. And afterwards, when we were talking uh, what to do next and what happened, he said, Greg, I'm very disappointed that um, some long-standing uh, members of the church stood up. <laughs> and I said, Alan, I'm not surprised because that's true anywhere, everywhere in the world. But it's good to know because they may be those in that category of um, either saved but not yet assured. Or there may be in the category like uh, Jane's father who thought they were saved but not and then realized that they were not and came, came up. And so, this is important to recognize which box do you belong. It's very important because you don't want to be in the wrong box and thinking that you are already going to be there in that, in that uh, scenario, but may not be. Right? Jesus himself, in his uh, prayer before he, uh, he went to um, suffer, uh, prayed this. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you, for you granted him authority over all people that might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And he did at that time. And so it's a finished and unfinished work. It's finished, and we read the outcome in Revelation 7, 9. But he left the church to be able to be part of that um, uh, privilege, to be able to be part of the fulfillment of that vision, to receive the blessing in that process and the opportunity for people to come to know him as well. Are you included? Where are you in those bags? That's something to consider and think about. How am I involved? How are you involved? How can you be involved? So our mission is God's mission, which is to bring everyone, wherever you are in this box, to the corner that is the assured believer who has the true faith in Christ, regardless of this Christian institutional concept and name and brand, and have that assurance that you are there, that you are assured that you are part of that grand party and worship service in heaven. After all, Jesus, uh, again, uh, related to Matthew 28, um, uh, said in Acts 1.8 before he went up, to his disciples, to stay there and wait to his disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The term you will be is not um, a suggestion either. It is a command. Every one of us and the church as a whole are commanded by Jesus. This is the one that I give you to do as I leave you at this time. It's corporate and individual. Not a suggestion. 
In the first incarnation of Christ, the Word became flesh. Christ, who is God, became flesh and lived for a while amongst us for a little while. And he became the witness of the beauty and kindness and love of God to the world. His second incarnation is the body of Christ. We, the Christ ones, the Christians. And together as a church, not just individual, but as a church, as a corporate body, we are the new witness at this point until he comes again. There's no other way. <laughs> There's no other way to God, John 14, 7, but through Christ. There's no other way for people to see the true God except through Christ in the first incarnation and then through the body of Christ in the second incarnation. You and I are important in this enterprise and mission. And that's why we framed here in this church many years ago, especially when I was in the leadership and eldership a chair of the church, that we have our missions and outreach strategy framed according to this. Our Jerusalem, our local place, our Judea and Samaria, our national, our ends of the earth. And so we profiled and made sure that we, are, we have a ministry, active ministry in all these areas, and including the Quran uh, Baptist uh, Community Church. They're very important. They're not just local, but they're also uh, um, global. They're a, a persecuted minority in Myanmar, the Quran, for example. And so we need to keep this frame as our part of our outreach as a church. Um, but it's not just that. It's our individual responsibility as well. It's corporate and individual. In 2 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them because they've been forgiven. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So in fact, um, later on, he says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sinned for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Again, the same concept of the blood of the lamb that made the white, the robe, the robe white and holy. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. We are Christ's ambassadors, you and I and the church. We are the only body or group of people that provide a channel of the character and nature of God to the world. That's scary. I'm scared. So when I, continuing my story, there's a lot of things to talk about, but uh, our time in the Philippines in the last six months was spent a lot with family and friends. And um, as most of you know, I got um, very sick um, some five years ago and um, could have died <laughs> over those years, um, in intervening period. And I thought, Yes, Lord, I'm ready to do that. Um, to have this opportunity again 
make me think, what do you want me to do now, Lord, uh, for the rest of my life? And um, part of the thing is to um, revisit some of the people that I met and shared the gospel with, for example, including my three brothers. So they um, came to know the Lord after my parents, who have all passed away now. Uh, so I only have the three of them left. And uh, their family, because they became Christian before they got married. <laughs> so then they got their uh, spouses and their kids and so on and so forth. And um, my second, um, the one on the farthest uh, side of me, um, he's, a, he's a worship leader in, in a, a big church in Manila. The one uh, next to him is involved in, uh, or the two in the middle, are, are in the two of the largest evangelical churches in the world. Yeah. The one next to me is our youngest, who is the president of Every Nation Philippines, who is, which is the largest evangelical church in the Philippines and in these 20. He was the last one who accepted the Lord, I think, in that group. Um, he always thanked me for sharing the gospel to him. And now his church has church in Australia, churches in Australia. They have churches in Ukraine. They have churches in Africa. They have churches around the world. They're sending missionaries. More than the whole of Australia combined. Australian churches combined. When I became a Christian, I thought I'd be happy if I can share my faith to one person. I'll be okay. I can meet my maker. You never know. <laughs> and you share to one person, and you share to another person, and you share to another person. And what God can do and will do through those people. When I was in Virginia Tech, um, in the United States, where, where I went after the Philippines, um, I met some international students in the first week. And I had a Bible study with one of them from Africa right away. And then with others, and started an international student ministry. And um, worked with the power church ministries uh, to reach the world in our doorsteps. And train and work with churches uh, to host and help in this ministry. The world is at your doorstep. You don't even need to go to Papua New Guinea or, yes, you can, and you might want to do that. But they have come to us, the current people. They're very difficult to get in Myanmar, if you know. You would go to Myanmar and you wouldn't know where to meet the current people, for example. But they're here. So I was part of this, and I was a tentmaker missionary for a while in the United States, and realized that that bivocational is something that God gave me to do um, and may be available an opportunity for others. And one of them that I spent a lot of time with, shared the gospel and discipled over the years, is a person I will just call Terry, who is from Taiwan. I shared a little bit about him, I think, in maybe 10 years ago. But um, 
yeah, it was a difficult process. <laughs> I, I would meet him at 6 a.m., for example, because we were both, you know, um, studying. He was doing his master's and I was doing my PhD. And then, and then he got involved in many, many things and started growing. And then he returned uh, to Taiwan and he was working in a semiconductor company and on the side. And then he went to the schools to uh, share and work with the navigators uh, for evangelism and witnessing. And many years later, he contacted me and said, Greg, I'm quitting my job. I'm becoming a full-time pastor. <laughs> and he was running uh, missionary trips to mainland China at this time as well. And so amazing where one person you share to, what happens to them. This is our job. We share to one person. The joy of seeing someone accept Christ is magnificent. It's hard to explain. But if you have not experienced that forgiveness, that assurance that everything's forgiven, everything, past, present, and future, that you have the assurance to be in the presence of your Savior, then this is your opportunity to be in that. As 2 Corinthians 6 says, As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I help you. I tell you now, today is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Jesus himself prayed for us and for those who will come before us. In closing in his uh, prayer, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray that also, that also for those who will believe in me through their message. So even now, then and even now, Jesus is praying that we will share. And that those who we share with will come to know him and will share. And will share and will share until he comes again. God's mission is to bring peoples across the world to be with him in eternity. We, the church, corporately, you and me, we have the responsibility and the privilege today to share in its fulfillment. Jesus said, I will build my church. You will be my witnesses. Whether you, we obey that command or not, he will build his church. And there before him will stand people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly God, we thank you that you've sent your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, to pay for our sins. And when his body was broken and his blood was shed, and we appropriated them into our lives when we accepted him as our Savior, as our sacrifice in lieu of our own, that you have welcomed us into your family. We can call God Almighty, our Father, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We pray that you, we will continue to share this gospel, the good news, the good news for the people we love. And for those who have not experienced this yet, we pray that you will speak to them now, today, that they may come into the joyful presence of the Lord. 
And we pray together with the angels and the elders and the living creatures. Before you, we say amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. <laughs>